Splinter Business Stories. Hello, hello, my dear IT community. Hello to every homesick and sick of the home soul out there. Hello to those who are working from home and who are procrastinating at home. Hello to everyone who is tired of doing nothing and tired of doing everything. Hello to everyone who is enjoying and who is despising seeing the same walls again and again. For all IT fairies and wizards of Git commits and to all the witchers and whisperers of the IT consulting and product creation. Hello to you all. Your fellow IT comrade is here with new episode of Splinter Business Stories. And if you thought you're alone suffering out there, mm -mm, you are not. I do suffer with you. So I want to reassure you, you are not alone in this world. And as you might remember, Splinter Business Stories is the best place to place your fatigue, tiredness and frustration and wrap it up with some irony of the world. Moreover, today we have a quite special episode because this morning, afternoon or evening, depending on where in the world you are located and when you decide to ease your mind, I will share with a very, very special guest. After we had a phone conversation, I thought it would be quite intriguing to invite him to my podcast and I have no doubt that this person will be great here. So, it's my pleasure to present Craig Shepard, and I will read his description because it is very profound. He is entrepreneur, author, and angel investor. He was the founder and CEO of Affiliate Traction, which was acquired by eBay in 2016. And he currently is the CEO and founder of Boss Capital Partners, investment firm that helps startups on their seed stage. So, Greg, it's a pleasure to have you here on Splinter oh, Business thank Story. You. Thank <laughs> you so much. And what an opening. Holy moly. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's my great pleasure. And so, how's your self-isolation going? It's going pretty well. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm really grateful because I live in California and the weather's good and I have a, a, a nice yard with a view and stuff, so I'm able to kind of walk around outside. A lot of people aren't as, aren't as uh, lucky. So it's, it's, it's going through a lot of meditation, a lot of time with my children, you know, so it's good. Yeah. Thank you. That is nice. Yeah. You're definitely lucky to be staying in San Diego and you're lucky to go out actually, because going, not being able to go out during, during such a nice weather, it would be a torture for sure. <laughs> but definitely, you know, San Diego, what I know there, La Jolla, with the seagulls and uh, old point Loma lighthouse as far as yeah, I remember point Loma and La Jolla yeah yeah that, those yeah. are both good places yeah <laughs> but I'm sure those beautiful places are locked down right now so I do not regret anything <laughs> <laughs> and yeah well, I mean, you know sure... San Diego is unique because the the weather's so good most of the time and almost the entire uh, length of the city is next to the ocean right so you can go to the ocean and well right now I can't go to the ocean usually I go to the ocean every day but if I go right now I get a $500 ticket so I just can drive by it anyway that's that's a good opportunity to do so so you're making a lot of people jealous right now be careful <laughs> <laughs> well but I know that um, some creatures will definitely do not mind this uh, lockdown. Those are the seagulls and gulls at this La Jolla place <laughs> because nobody takes pictures oh of my, them. Right you know, now. I noticed actually an increase in wildlife. Usually, uh, I don't see as many, as much wildlife. There's more wildlife out, out now. I think it's because there's less cars and less people on the road. It's sure. kind of nice. Oh, I also see some deers around, some birds around. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> welcome to the zoo. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Well, and uh, I also truly believe that no one is able to tell more about a person than this person himself, because even though I have received a very fine and a very uh, smooth description uh, of yours, I still would like to hear from you. So who is Greg Shepard and what does he do? Sure. I mean, so I'll give you some background. So I started... Uh, I was a, well, let me, this, this actually trips people out. My mom was a nun and my dad was a priest and they wanted to have children. So, 
they decided to get married. They left the, the church and then they adopted and fostered children. So I had like nine uh, siblings of different nationalities. And then so because of that, you know, obviously we grew up with very little, no money. I mean, it was really rough. And for about two years, we lived in tents while we built our own house on a piece of property. And then I decided in that time frame, I was like, I really want to be in business. So I worked really, really hard. Um, even as a child, I was selling Rubik's cubes and I would catch snakes and sell them to pet stores and stuff like this. And then I uh, started my first business when I was 19. And since then, I've done 12 startups. All 12 of them have exited. Um, I've won four private equity awards for transactions between 250 and a billion dollars. Um, I've become an author. Uh, I have a book coming out published by Forbes. Um, I also am a contributor to Forbes uh, councils, technology councils. Um, I contribute to Fortune and Entrepreneur and Huffington Post and all those different places. Uh, TEDx speaker. You know, I mean, I built the last business I built and sold. And then I decided I wanted to give back. It was like a big deal for me to give back. And so I spent a little bit of time in politics and I was able to meet Barack Obama and it was amazing and, and folks like that. And then I decided I wasn't going to do politics because it was just uh, I couldn't figure out how to help, you know, and I really wanted to help. So I had this system boss, the business operating support system that I've used and built over the last 25 years. And I was like, well, what if I just helped entrepreneurs? with that, right? What if I just became a teacher and a coach and helped out and spread that out? Maybe they could be as successful as I was with it. And, and so that's what I've been doing ever since. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for brief description. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's, that's really nice. You know, I know that we all have these two ghost stories to tell yeah. and I've heard it on multiple podcasts. So. <laughs> Well, please. Well, please. <laughs> for sure well but anyway that's that's really nice because i know for many people especially in my audience you are a new person even though you're pretty famous you know around the podcast community and around the you know even entrepreneurial community and i know that at some point you were one of the most um i would say most popular and most famous investors uh, in silicon valley so i i think that once in a while you appear here and there, but to my <laughs> podcast, I want something less fluffy and pinky. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's do it. It sounds fun. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, I have heard uh, about so many companies of yours. So why actually haven't you decided to keep a business? Why did you sell them? Because the offers were pretty generous or you just always want to start something new you like the process i think no i mean the offers were good but it wasn't really that wasn't really my motivation it's kind of i guess when i look, look back on it i mean since we're going to be honest here on your show <laughs> i think i just got bored i think mm -hmm. when you when you first start a business it's very exciting and things are moving fast and you're really mm -hmm. You know, you're getting up early and you can't wait to, you know, and you're doing everything and stuff's so much fun. And then when it gets bigger, you're kind of just managing this thing, you know, and it becomes very difficult to affect change, um, to really grow things because you have so many layers of people underneath you, you know, so now you're the CEO and you have to go to your C-suite and the C-suite has to go to the SVPs and the SVPs have to go to the VPs, they have to go to the directors and the managers and the team leaders. And it's like playing telephone tag. Your message gets pretty, you know, diluted by the time you get down to the people. <laughs> and you really want to make and, – and I really want to work with people directly. I really, like, enjoy, you know, working with really good people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that became difficult for me. And then I just was like, well – I would get bored because, you know, so I would start another business usually before I had the other one sold, you know. So I would just start another <laughs> business and – and, and, you know, I think it was mainly because I got bored and I didn't feel like I was able to impact people's lives the way that I could when I was doing smaller startups. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Actually, I feel that your story is pretty typical story for any startup or any company that uh, starts up pretty fast and is able to scale up. But then, you know, all with all these processes being implemented with the hierarchy of the company, when it's especially vertical, not horizontal, it's very, very hard to, you know, to reach the, like, and people, the ones who are actually doing most of the job. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Businesses are run by middle management most of the time. And, you know, there is an it's nest. It's weird because it's, it's kind of a paradox. There is a there is a need to have multiple layers of management because of the amount of leadership that it requires. And you want to surround yourself by people that have experience in subject matter expertise. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, you want to affect change at a deeper level. And if you do that, then you go around your management and you can't do that either. <laughs> so you kind of get in this situation and I mean, it's working, it's just not fun, you know, mm. and things are slow and stuff. And then I think entrepreneurs like me just kind of go, you know what, I, I'm going to go start another business. <laughs> yeah, just do something with it, right? Yeah. You know what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally get you. I totally get you when the things like get slowed down. But I also get the point like within my career, I understood one thing. It's not necessarily needed to hire experts, but it's really needed to hire someone who is willing to work. And that is like very hard to find such a person because experts normally they have their own mindset and they, they, they already know what works, what doesn't. And they would go to the you know path, which is very familiar to them, which is not necessarily effective for your own business and your own company. Just it's something they've done in the past and they want to do it again. So to me, I always, yeah, I always like fresh on. blood. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's definitely true. I, I have a, sort of a criteria, and I, I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast because it's very personal to me, but I always say that you need a handful of things, right? So there's five fingers on your hand, so five things, okay? Mm-hmm. Focus, drive, enthusiasm, discipline, and optimism. And if you have those things and you notice experience isn't in there, right? Those five things, can you can use those as the fundamental elements of building a good good team. And experience isn't one, you can give somebody uh, experience, but you can't give them focus, drive, enthusiasm, discipline, and optimism. That either comes with them or it doesn't, you know? Yeah, that is true. I mean, to me, discipline is the most important. I feel that when a person is disciplined, at least <laughs> things will get done, you know, at some point. So if choosing between a driven and disciplined, I will be thinking twice, honestly. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, because think, that is, yeah. I agree, yeah, I think that, I think of it this way. For me, you know, you have focus, drive, enthusiasm, discipline, and optimism, right? And discipline for me is sort of like your safety net, right? If you can't seem to get the focus, if you can't seem to get the drive, if you can't get the optimism or the enthusiasm, then you result to discipline, which is like the the fallback, right? Like, look, I don't want to do this, you know, but I'm going to do it. You know, yeah. and then you you just say, no matter what, I'm going to I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, you know, that I have this now even, you know, I have I have investors all over the world. Right. So I have investors that are in Europe and I have to get up really early in the morning to work with them. And then I have investors in Asia and I have to stay up really late to work with them. And so sometimes, you know, you're you're like, oh, man, I have a 4 a.m. call, you know, and it takes some discipline to go. No, I'm not going to blow off that call. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do the call. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. To me, to me as well. I'm literally such a person. You know, to me, like being late for five minutes, I better come prior to the meeting or something one hour before rather than being late for five minutes. You know, this is like this is something that always is in my head. So like, you know, punctuality and everything what comes with deliverability or if I promised something to somebody, I will do my best. I, I will like surpass of doing my best, but I'll do it. So I'm always looking for the same people. And strangely it is so hard to find like this quality and when i see that a person oh my gosh if not a person a punctual or if a person makes me wait you know it's it's almost like 90 percent that no further communication will be done <laughs> with such a person just i know these people you know one time he or she was like five minutes late another time he or she will not deliver me you know part of the project which is critical so i mean that is you know that is the also the mindset that is like how 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 things work. Some people can 
allow them to, you know, be more laid laid back. Some people cannot. Yeah, I find that, that that's very true. I have, you know, you have leading and lagging indicators. And so I would hold these boot camps, what I call the boot camp. I would hire some, I would hire groups of people at a time mm -hmm. and I would put them into a room and I would put them through a, a one or two week training program, mm -hmm. teach them boss so that it would impact their management less when they went out and hit their desk. And in that time frame, I would close the door at eight o'clock. And if somebody came, the door was locked. And if they knocked, I would open the door and I'd go, go home. They're late. <laughs> well, if you can't show up on time for your first day, I don't care what your excuse is. And I heard all these things, right? I heard people say, oh, well, I got a, I got a ticket on the way. And I was like, okay, why did you get a ticket? Well, I was, I was speeding. Well, why were you speeding? Because I was late and I was trying to get here on time. And I was like, well, why were you late? Well, I mean, I, I took too long doing my hair. I got up late, whatever the excuse was. And I was like, yeah. that's the reason. Okay. It's, it's not because you got a speeding ticket. That's the reason. And that's your box. That means you failed at your own planning. So maybe think about that the next time you want to come into a job late for the first time, you know? Well, that is, that is very true. But also like in my life, I have a situation where I was 20 minutes late for a job interview and, uh, I spent all the 20 minutes just literally going, uh, like making circles along the building and I couldn't find the entrance. That was so crazy. So for 20 minutes, I was doing these crazy things and I finally found it, felt myself terribly and I got the offer, which I had oh, to decline. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, cool. I, that's yeah, different I had... though, right? That's an unexpected... That is, but like, you know, you, you never expect such things. But I got the offer, I declined that offer and later the same company became the clients of Cadaret because they liked me so much that they wanted me to, to be working, you know, on their project so it was uh, it was very surrealistic and i remember i was 20 minutes late i i made everybody wait for me like there was some some like series of interviews some people couldn't even like interview me because of my uh, late coming so at this point i think that uh you know maybe sometimes it's okay you know to give a second chance but then i think yeah but that was me not not him or her because yeah, i know maybe me. i'm just a little too hardcore that's <laughs> Very no, you're possible. Not. You're not. I think it's very good practice. I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, on the other hand, you know, the people that are in that made it in the conference room, they were never late ever. Mm -hmm. Right. Because True. I sat that down initially and unfortunately somebody was compromised. But, you know, I mean, that's sort of. And so I, I think about this handful. Right. Focus, drive, enthusiasm, discipline. And I think focus like you. You can't be successful without focus, right? You have to be able to, to focus on something. And when you think about drive, you have to be driven by something or you have to find something to be driven by, right? And I even face this, you know, after you do a few exits and you make enough money and your life is sort of, I mean, you're fine for the rest of your life. You know, you, you could even be somewhat irresponsible and still not run out of money. And then you realize, well, what am I, what's driving me now? If money was driving you before being successful was driving you before and that's why i started to get into what i'm doing now right because now i started saying well if i can help more entrepreneurs succeed mm -hmm. then i can help with wealth distribution and if i can help with wealth distribution i can help the world and so i decided that and that's what drives me now so if you think about that the focus is you know my focus is very narrowly focused on trying to help entrepreneurs succeed. And what drives me, the second one in there, is the motivation that if I help every entrepreneur I turn into a millionaire, helps with wealth distribution. And because entrepreneurs who raise capital aren't from old money, meaning they don't have money, right? That's why they're raising capital. Then I feel like I'm truly helping with wealth distribution. You know? Not necessarily. <laughs> I <laughs> I know a bunch of, of guys who would be sitting right now and like, you need, you, you would, if you had money, you would, you would spend your own money on your business. <laughs> Definitely not. That's true. There are some, there are some scenarios <laughs> where that's true. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, trust there me, are people, some scenarios where they really, have money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people who I, really need this money, they will find the money with investment or without investment, but they like they will push the thing which is called business or startup, you know, they'll do their best. But normally people who come to, I mean, it's my personal experience because I do work with startups. So normally I either 
face, you know, such ambitious boys and girls. Like, I call them boys and girls because they created the product. They don't know for whom they created the product, but they want investment. They want to scale. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's put your ambitions to the right flow. Or yeah, it's going to yeah. be either awesome or disaster, but let's do something about that. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah, that's yeah, very yeah. common. Not having or, an ICP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or another type of people, these people really, they... They, they have been in multiple businesses, they can't, they know the drill, you know, that's, that's so usual for them, they know what they need, they just like literally throw the list of requirements, okay, we are going to this, we are going to there, we need this pitch, this pitch, this pitch, like, here's our pitches, you know, make it, make it nicer, and I'm like, why? Why do yeah. you even need anybody? And like, we had five businesses before, we will have ten more, and this is like the people who I face, you know, as a you know, as a helper for them with yeah. their startups. So it's not necessarily that people really need this investment. They just don't want to spend whatever they have already accumulated or they want to invest it to different things, but they want to push their current thing, you know, forward as well. Yeah, and that's relationship true. matters as well. So here, yeah. like most, most like I call, I call the younger ones like cucumbers. So those cucumbers, they don't know where to go. They don't know what, like what, what to do. They have cool ideas. They have cool thing. And, and they are lost. But those, like, you know, the sharks of the business who have been there for 20 years, they just they just know, okay, we'll go to this. I know this guy. He will, like, bring this venture capital, this firm, and all, all this stuff. So uh, all, all the materials and all the preparation is just a formality for them because they do have relationship. That's so true. Like, that, that's absolutely true. If I have a business that I want to bring, that I want to pull in, all I have to do is call my uh, investors that I've worked with for years and just say, hey, I'm raising a million and I'll raise it in a couple of hours. You know, um, I did a round for a million, actually, in a, a 990. I raised one, 990,000 in uh, an hour and 37 minutes today. I clocked it. Uh, you're striking my audience right now. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> let them I mean, live I, longer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, one of the conditions is that I invest. Right. So I never ex expect them to invest unless I invest, too, you know, but you're right about a lot of the things you say. My first question for people is how much have you put in? Mm, oh, yeah, that's true. Have you put in? If they say nothing, then I'm like, well, why? You know? <laughs> and, and they'll say, well, I don't have any money. Do you have a house? Do you have, you know, I mean, why? You know, you're asking me to risk money. So why have yeah. you decided not to put do you not believe in your own project? You know, yeah. That is true. Yeah, this startup topic is like so like deep, I'm sure, because you're the person who sees these things from the other side of the investment. You know, you you, you connect on both. So uh, I'm sure that um, especially like why I love IT community, because there are so many really driven, passionate people who constantly have some ideas. So it inspires me most. So I think that for startups, we will have a separate episode where we'll we discuss everything super profoundly you know because this we could do that oh i mean I have, as i have the experience from an entrepreneur's perspective right? <laughs> i've built 12 companies but then i also have the experience from an investor's perspective and so the two of them kind of come together nicely when i talk mm -hmm. to you know startups i can say look this is this is the path you're on and this is what they're thinking yeah you know yeah. and then you can kind of blend it together and give the entrepreneur a more holistic uh, view of of the way their business looks from these other uh, in these other lenses, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think that, uh, firstly, of course, relationship matter. But secondly, of course, like the probably the persistence of your own, you know, it matters a lot as well. Because yeah, that's I, really, yeah, that's a really good point. If I if if somebody submits a deal, I look at you know I don't know 100, 200 deals a month, right? I look at mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of deals, and people submit deals to me and. The ones that aren't trying, it tells you something about the entrepreneur, right? Yeah. You're like, this person, I'm wanting this person to push their business forward. <laughs> and they're not even trying, you know, more than once to try to get an investment. So it kind of, it makes you step back as an investor and say, well, you know, can I trust this person moving forward if, if this is the one thing they need to accomplish right now and they're not pushing that hard? Right. You know? It's a good point. You're very intuitive. You have some really good perspective. <laughs> well, when yeah, it, it, I mean exactly. It's a, it's a very logical thing. When when you really want something, you will like find different ways for sure. But I remember that when you're driven, just uh, 
it's it's totally different because you you see the goal you don't see any obstacles and you just just push 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 that's you know that's how it normally even even went with me i used to work on a project which was super disastrous project from the very beginning it was like three people team and i was one of these three people and we were building a product for browser and it was disaster like from the very beginning we were like we were enthusiastic we wanted to we were maximalists we wanted to like build a ferrari out of uh, bike you know details you know all these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we we wanted all the features to be there so we rolled out our battle was a disaster you know we, we received so many like strikes we received so many negative feedbacks so we had to rebuild but I was driven. I believed in the team and for some crazy reason, I believed in a pretty trivial product, which was just the browser um, speaker. So it would voice the internet pages. So it's called intelligent speaker. And I would do like anything to push it through. And so finally, after I guess two years of like just literally working, not understanding why we are working exactly, but we want this thing to be like available. We want this thing to be, you know, to be really high quality. We got featured by Google. And we got featured on all the editor speak. We got featured on uh, all the categories. And I'm like, okay, that's what we were striving for. Right now, I'm satisfied. So I was sitting and just watching this browser extension to be on every single page. And I understand that when you're really ready to work for what you believe in, you know, at some point it all will pay off. But you have to be persistent because if you just, you know, lay down and wait for, you know, something comes like we would never receive any Google's like appraisal when we were in beta. We would not receive it even in the middle of our way because like nobody cared because it was a very trivial product at first. But then we managed to build something out of it. So I feel that this path is very important. So when you are super desperate and when you want to leave, it's it's like the time to continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a couple of sayings for that. On your first point, I have a saying that says, obstacles are the things you see when you take your mind off the goal. That's the first one. The <laughs> second one I say is, be careful of drinking your own Kool-Aid. You know, <laughs> so be careful to not believe your, you know, your own bullshit. You know, a lot of people believe their own bullshit. And then the third one, which is a little different, I say, consistent persistency. You know, because being persistent is not good all by itself. It has to be consistent persistency, right? So I got this actually from a trainer. So every year, you know, I take on these challenges. And one year I decided for my 50th birthday, I was going to deadlift 500 pounds five times. And so I started training in January. And by uh, December, I did the 500 pounds five times. And the trainer used to, sell, used to tell me, he would say, consistent persistency. So be consistent and persistent. And I pulled it off. And so I added that to my repertoire of, you know, of, of sayings that I use on a consistent basis. So I think those, those things, and I tell it to my entrepreneurs, I say, look, it's, you know, failures are successes because they're just steps in that direction. And everybody fails. The difference is if you define those things as failures or if you define those things as lessons, you know? Right, right. Well, I love the consistent persistency. It just just reminded me like my yoga. I don't do like normal yoga. I do win in yoga, which which means that I would lay down for five minutes, then do another pose for five minutes, and wow, persistent consistency. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> well, that's what we all do. <laughs> that's the kind of yoga I think I would be interested in. Oh, that's the only type of thing I'm interested. That's the only sport which is like my truly like I'm I'm so passionate about it. Like <laughs> laying yeah. down for five minutes straightforwardly. That is awesome. That is like yeah. yeah it sounds. <laughs> a lot. I like to meditate. I do a lot of meditation. I meditate like three times a day. Well. Um, yeah, but I don't do a lot of yoga. But maybe I should try that strategy. That that's well, just gonna... lay down. It's going to be your exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to in yoga. If I lay down, it's going to be a nap. <laughs> well that's also in yoga <laughs> so true yeah like, true yeah. i guess it's a form of meditation you know i guess it's Absolutely. a form of meditation it is it is well you're you're such a good speaker you know i've always been like fascinated by people who are able to you know to actually talk and express their thoughts nicely but um you know and i 
couldn't help but notice your portfolio of all the podcasts, all the conferences, all the events you were as a speaker, even TED's talk. That's like, you know, dream of everybody to be on. You know, if you're yeah. a speaker, that is the place to go. So do you think that uh, for entrepreneur or like for CEO or for any like uh, upper management of the company, but I would say CEO, for example, if you're, um, you know, female or male, is it necessarily to be a great public speaker or great like salesperson of your own company? Or you can just pull the strings from behind the curtain and, you know, just just the strategy matters more. You know, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, businesses need an identity. And if you look at companies that have been successful compared to companies that have not been successful in carrying their brand through with an identity, it's always got a character, right? So let's think about Steve Jobs. I mean, everybody knows Steve Jobs and Apple had a face, Steve Jobs. Elon Musk has a face, Tesla and SpaceX. Well, they, they do, but they do have faces. But if you compare like Steve Jobs speaking abilities and Elon Musk, this like, Elon you Musk know, ground. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> like every, like he's, Elon Musk is a terrible, 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 terrible public speaker. Yeah. But even, even, even though he, he's so, so like awkward and that is his character. That's, he has a full yeah, right but, to, you know, they both, you know, to be awkward. There's identity. That is, Right. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a face, like there's yeah. a person. It's not just a company like look at Tesla and then look at all the other companies. Right. <laughs> that are trying to compete there. They don't have an Elon Musk. Oh, if exactly. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? You get into a show, you get into a conference or something. You talk to people and you bring up Elon Musk and everybody's like, oh, yeah. You know, it, it was the way Steve Jobs used to be, you know. Right. And so I think to answer your question, I think is to be genuine is key to 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 speaking and creating a brand for yourself that carries through to the business right like you know i try really hard to be genuine like this is who i am like if you meet me in a cocktail bar or a cigar bar or walking down the street or at the beach you get the same person and i struggled with that initially because i thought people want to have a different person than who i am you know i looked around the business community and i see all these super high end executives and you know, all this sort of thing. And I'm, you know, I grew up rough, right? I grew up on the rough side. I'm not polished. <laughs> and I decided to not try to be polished, right? But just to be who I am. And when I do speaking engagements, I, I am just who I am. And I found that it made it a hell of a lot easier. And it also made it so that people would, it made me more accessible to people. You know, like I, I found that if I did a speaking event and I came up there polished, corporate, that sort of thing, the line of people after the event would be, you know, maybe 10 deep or something, right? When I do an event and I'm genuine and I'm more accessible, so people think I'm more approachable, there'll be like 30, 40 people in line. And it, it changes everything. And when I talk to entrepreneurs, you know, I, I'm just, you, you know, there is a sincerity and a genuineness that comes through and that has to be deeply visceral. It's not something that's inside of you. And I think that everybody has it, but you have to be who you are. Like, you're very good at that. You are just, you know, in our, in our conversation before the podcast, th this is who you are. You're just this charismatic, fun, smart person, you know? And I think that a lot of people, if they come across with who they actually are through that process, they become a better speaker because they follow the way that their natural energy flows instead mm -hmm. of trying to go against the grain, you know, against the water. You know, you just flow with I, it took me years to figure that out. It took me years to, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be on a stage, a stage and I need to be a certain way and talk a certain way and be a certain way. And then I just decided, you know what, I, you know, fuck all that. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be who I am and 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 work through it that way. And, and and then when that happened, I started getting booked for events like right and left. I had to get an agent like everything just blew up. And it changed the it changed everything, you know. So I think if I were to give to advice to, uh, to some advice to somebody who is doing public speaking, your mistakes make you genuine and make you real. You know, I I sometimes stutter, and I would stutter, and I would start out, you know, especially when I got on stage or if I have a lot going on, I'll do these little stutters. And what I would do is I would get on the stage and I would say, "Listen, there's a chance that I'm going to stutter because I'm a human." 
And this is something <laughs> I do. And then when I did it, people would laugh and they would think it was, you know, so it added, it added some, some sort of human characteristics to the yeah. presentation. Yeah, this, I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. So your example that this, you know, this ability, it can come with, again, persistence and it can come with some training to me. It's it's like I have always been like that. To me, it's like at some point it was very hard to understand why some people are struggling while you know while public speaking or even while like answering at the blackboard. You know, it's cool. Like why some people cannot just go in front of the entire class. I was like, what <laughs> what is because like, you're natural, right? Yeah, it is, it is my day. I I mean I I've never thought that it can be like some you know some some struggle for somebody. But then I literally like yeah I I understood why people might be concerned and. Yeah, I thought, okay, well, <laughs> so some people need to come to the point where, you know, they shouldn't care about how they look or how they behave or how they sound in front of the audience. Because if you pick any person from this audience and put this person to your place, this person will act much worse because this person did not prepare as much as you did. <laughs> so yeah, this is like, I, mean, yeah. I totally agree. And that's why, like, you look at, like, Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs was just an epic speaker. Right. I mean, he you, was, he was, you watch Steve Jobs and you get goosebumps and you're just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah this amazing. Pauses, right? get, this like, you know, oh, it's just the dramatism, the you know, and it's, it's like, you know, everything is about the voice. It just captivates you. You can watch, you, you may just listen, but that's, that's what captivates. Yeah. He was just so amazing, you know, and Elon Musk is a dumpster fire. You know, I mean, the guy <laughs> is just like a disaster. But the thing is, is that he still gets up on the stage, right? Yeah, yeah. And he knows, he just doesn't give a shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he goes, look, I mean, I'm a terrible speaker, why, yeah. but, but you know, I'm, I, I built the first, you know, elect I have two Teslas. I mean, I love Elon Musk, right? Yeah, like, too, I love too. him. And, and, and I, th I see that and I'm like, well, shit, if Elon Musk can get up there, just about anybody can get up there because it's gonna, <laughs> you're going to be pretty hard pressed to like exactly, up a exactly. presentation That's as bad as he does. That's what I wanted to say. Like exactly, if you if you are not not confident, like just look at him being super awkward when his Cybertruck got smashed. You know. Oh my God, was that funny or what? I was, and he just played it off. He's like, well, oh, whatever. You know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. And he he was. I mean, you can see that it took him some time to like process how to play it off. I mean, we all are human beings. But about the mistakes, really, I I also want to say to my audience at the Google when I was doing the keynote there you know there was a mistake in my slides and this mistake was so terrible so i was like okay i'm in the loser club right now and i said it from the stage because i knew that if i didn't say it myself then somebody from you know the audience because you know all these google nice people and geeks and all this stuff they they love to point out at your mistakes so i knew totally, if i don't yeah. If yeah. I don't make a joke out of it right now, somebody will say, hey, there is a mistake. There should be like, you know, something different. And I would be like, oh, yeah, what to do? Yeah, <laughs> so, so do you want to hear a story? You want to hear my my uh, my my nightmare story? Oh, yes. Yeah, so oh, my God. OK, so I'm like I've never told this story on uh, to anybody in an interview, but I'll, I'll tell you this story. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm in my early 20s. And I'm building this biotech company, right? Environmental applied, applied biotechnology company. And it sounds fancy, but it's just bacteria, basically, that eat up hydrocarbons. And so I, I, I built this company, and I go to Goldman Sachs, to New York, and I go into the meeting, and the CEO of the manufacturer got me the meeting, and I walk in. And, you know, Goldman Sachs is Goldman Sachs. It's beautiful. I'm, super, I'm sweating. You know, it was a hot day in, in New York. You know how it gets in New York in the summertime. And I'm wearing this suit and I'm just sweating. And I had a, couldn't find the building and the whole thing was a nightmare. And then I finally walk in and it's nice and cool. And they go, they're waiting for you in the conference room. And I go in the conference room. It's one of these really big conference rooms with like, you know, I don't know, 60 chairs and all the Goldman Sachs people are sitting around the chair. And I get up and start the presentation. I was probably... I don't know, maybe three minutes into the presentation, two guys get up, walk out. And I'm like, shit, you know, and I keep going. And then two more guys get up, walk out. And then four people walk out and, and they just kept leaving in the middle. And I'm like, like, what the hell is going on? You know? And it got down to two people and, and I just, you know, standing up doing the presentation and I just sat down at the end of the table and I said, listen, Obviously, this isn't going to work, right? I mean, everybody just left except for you guys. But what, can you tell me what I did wrong? 
can you tell me what happened here? Like, I don't even know what happened. I had this meeting. I had all this stuff prepared. I, you know, I put a lot of time into this. I think I, I thought I was, was doing a really good job and people just got up and walked out. And they said, I think that nobody here believed that you believed in your business. Aww. Yeah, that's what they said. Now, ultimately, I did build and sell that company to a publicly traded company. But, you know, and we did have, you know, distribution all over the world. And, and it, you know, turned out to be a, a, a success. But, you know, it was it was very interesting to me because I was thinking, I do believe in it. Like, what am I doing that is not believing in it? And I realized that it was because I wasn't being genuine is because I was trying to hide my enthusiasm for this thing that I really believed in that hid it from them and cost me that round of funding. Oh, so it's not well, interesting. Well, that's, that's pretty badass to live like <laughs> to live and to describe the reason that I simply don't believe in what you're doing. Well, do, do people there are really that profound <laughs> that they think on such a profound level? Just, they, just well, I remember my corporate hard. meetings, like, you know, most people wouldn't even care, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, these two guys, it, it was very interesting because I was, when I got to that point of the meeting, right, and I was just two people left out of like 60, and I'm just, and I just, I knew it was over, right? And, but I was just like, well, why are these two guys here? If I have these two guys here, I'm just going to ask them because they're probably going to walk out any second. And so I just sat down, you know, and I just looked at him and I just said, and I, and I could tell you actually what I said was I said, how, how did I fuck this up? Can you just tell me what I did to fuck this up? And it was crazy because after they told me afterwards, they took me to lunch and I got to go to this really fancy restaurant. They sat down with me and they helped me out and, and explained to me what I could do differently. And uh, it was actually a really beautiful thing, even though I left, you know, on the flight home. I remember sitting there going, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, this is a disaster, you know, <laughs> like. But um, but it was a it's a good story I think you know it is it uh, is a good story not as funny as it could be but <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> I have sorry I'm very one. demanding here I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I do have a funny one where I actually um, was doing a keynote presentation and I walked up the stairs tripped over one of the stairs fell and uh, spilled a drink, a coffee all over myself, and then realized after the, the presentation was done that the whole time I had my zipper down. So <laughs> now that is That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, I literally... <laughs> that is a real-life story. <laughs> yeah, I had these, like, fancy shoes on that have, like, a long toe to them, you know, when they were in. And I misstepped on it because, the you know, your foot doesn't go all the way to the toe, and then that caused me to trip... I fell on one of the steps and I was holding a coffee and it, it fell over all over my suit and my shirt. And then after, and then I, I unbuttoned my jacket a little bit because to, to, cause the shirt had been saved underneath and the coffee was all over the jacket. And I thought it would look better. And that made people notice that my zipper was down, which I didn't know. And it was a total nightmare, you know, the whole time. And I, I didn't even realize that I walked off the stage. And then afterwards I saw the, uh, you know, the, um, the video and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The whole time I had my zipper down. It was just so awful. And, I, you know, at that moment, you, you know, you wish you could just delete that file. You know, you wish you could just go in and hit delete and just erase it. You know, but it was there. You know, it was, it was there permanently. I had to work really hard um, to get that thing to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so you managed to get this thing go away. Wow. Here's yeah, the I persistence. You know, that's a good example. <laughs> Consistent when, persistency. Yeah. Exactly. When you want something to be erased from internet, all you need to do is to <laughs> focus, drive, enthusiasm, discipline, and optimism. Oh yeah. I'm sure you had it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you hear stories like that all the time. I have a couple of things like that where oh, yeah. you know, and, and yet at the time you feel like that that is just the disaster that you just can't even you know, it's over, right? You think yeah. that's it, yeah. right? Just, you know, check, please. Yeah, but when, you know. when time passes, you just try to evaluate it, even it makes you smile, and then you think, well, maybe it wasn't as bad. <laughs> right now, situation is much worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of time, I mean, I've had, 
I had a situation where, so during the two thousand, so everybody's in this COVID-19 thing and it's a horrible mm -hmm. nightmare, but I've survived three of these sort of things, right? So the dot bomb, the tech bubble, um, the 2008 recession and 9-11, right? All three of these things almost put me out of business, right? I mean, I had to, and, and in those sort of scenarios, it brings into sharp, sharp contrast the difference between something that is really a level of vanity, mm -hmm. you know, and you kind of looking at the way you look to other people as compared to things that are actually effectively changing, right? Like not getting around to funding or like this COVID-19 thing or whatever, you know, and it really makes you sit back and go, well, you know, that really isn't that important. Right. That that thing doesn't really matter if you compare it to, you know, other things in your life that really, really matter. And I think that that helps. And even in when you're starting up a company, you know, and you have situations where something doesn't go like your disaster you were talking about and then it works. Right. And sometimes it's just a process of finding the path for something. You know, you're supposed to start with what I call the North Star. Um, which has part of it is understanding who the buyer of your business is and who the buyer mm -hmm. of company is. But at the same time, you know, these, th the ability for a business to pivot really quickly is essential, right? And when those moments happen and you get into that situation and reality really hits you, it puts into sharp contrast, those embarrassing moments <laughs> as, eh, that doesn't matter. Right. You know, nobody got hurt. I didn't get hurt. I'm still in business, whatever. It's, you know, just embarrassing and it, it only, you can ch choose for that thing to be embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally in your mind. Yeah. That's totally yeah. in your mind. It's, it's the same situation when you remember your like school exams or something like that and, uh, how you were preparing to them. You know, I'm, I'm talking about myself to me, it was like a disaster every single time. Like I'm a night, you know, night person. So the person who studies before the exam, the night before it's me, you know, totally. Oh, I really? can, You're one of those. <laughs> I am. I can relate. I saw that. I thought, wow, who are these people? Yeah, I am this person. So I was studying always night before exam. I would like go go to bed at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., then wake up in two hours and then go to the exam oh, with such okay. red really? eyes. You did that? You could do that? Yeah, yeah, uh, easily, easily, because I had such adrenaline and still, you know, I, I managed to graduate with flying colors. Yeah, <laughs> so, nice. you know, that's, that's like, you know, that is the type of thing. But you're always so worried about this. But so many years passed and you were thinking like what you were concerned even <laughs> like you mm. know you were concerned about learning this like 60 questions really now come and they do this like assessment or this documentation for 200 pages you know here is yeah 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 <laughs> relatively you're like oh that was nothing yeah yeah cool you were you were worried about learning one paragraph you know here is here is yeah. the thing got to learn the entire thing by heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I've never been good at that sort of stuff. I'm I'm good at uh I'm more, well, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm good as uh, I'm good. You know, I always think of founders as being, you know, visionaries, but you always need an executor or an implementer, somebody that actually gets yeah. down into the work. They're different types of personalities. They are. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you know, you have to do sort of both those things in the beginning, you know, because it's your idea and you're the person. Sometimes you have the benefit of having a co-founder with you to, you know, work through those things or have enough money to finance that other person. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but in those situations where I do that, I get into that scenario where I was, you know, I'm visionary and then I have to switch to an executor and I'm doing something that I'm, you know, not as, you know, I'm not a detail-oriented mm -hmm. person. And then I look back at, at situations like what you were saying, and I was like, oh, my God, I could use somebody that, that could stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning and take a test the next day and pass it with flying <laughs> colors. You know, like that that is a you, that's a gift. <laughs> that's a gift. <laughs> well, uh, but you, you were right about like being visionary and uh, being actual executor. I feel that most people who have like this type of team, you know, of, of like one visionary, I, I call them, okay, I call them bullshitter and executor. That is how I call them, okay? <laughs> because one always like bullshits and goes, goes to, goes to in front and like always with his blah, 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 this blah, blah covers everybody and everybody is ready to like to, to believe in him. Everybody is, is able to, to give him money and stuff. And the other person is like, okay. So here's your blah, 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 and I will make it in real deal right now because we need a strategy, you know, and we need to do yeah, this and true. we need to do it with A, B, C, you know, so, yeah, so that is, here's the whole world. And then the executor's like, hang on, <laughs> <drop the> town. <laughs> 
yeah yeah exactly so oh my gosh i can relate to this so much but i'm like in execution part of it you know i i do of course like i have to have a vision and stuff but for for most of the companies i've been working i guess they hired me because i had this ability to execute whatever they were blah blah blowing around you know because i i can i can really like you know either write it down or just structure all their like random thoughts that they're just throwing away in the air and i'm like you know this quarterback you know catching everything you know that's like you know that's uh, you know that is totally my my type of thing but um i understand that at some point like this execution part of a business it makes you very hard to uh, delegate and to give like other people this like you know this and opportunity to shift people that are practitioners you know yeah. executors from a practitioner to a leader it's very difficult because they don't want to let go right mm, they, they, they yeah, honestly it, it believe, is, yes. believe that nobody can do it as good as they can do it exactly it makes it, it hard to scale so with so much people. time yeah it took me so much time to just you know give somebody you know this like authority to owe, you know, a task, you know, because I wanted to be like this, you know, tiro doctor. Who but once like... <laughs> you did that, wasn't it amazing? Once you saw that you can actually do that and believe it with the right people, it's a nice yeah. relief, right? It You're kind of like it was a long way to finding the right people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I passed some frustration phase. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there is some truth in the fact that nobody can execute something necessarily the way you want it done. Maybe yeah. they'll get it done and in the outcome will be the same, but they won't do it the way you want it done. Yeah. And so there's some, there's some adjustment when you're managing people to, you know, saying, okay, so long as the outcome is this, like the way I started thinking about it is instead of delegating jobs to people, tell, giving them the how, I tell them the what, and I allow them to figure out the how, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. what I want the outcome to be, what success yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like, right? This is what I want. Now, you go away and tell me how you want to do it and come back to me. And then yeah. when you come back to me with how they want to do it, then I, I say, well, I would go this way with, with it. You can consider that or you can do it your way, right? <laughs> and then usually a few iterations of that, and then you realize the balance between the way you want things done, the how, and the what, what you want to accomplish, the outcome. And then you can sort of work in that environment, you know, and over time you build up a team of people. I use the same people now for, let's see, about the last 17 years. Mm -hmm. I have people that I'll, I'll have in a business and I'll be working with the business and there'll be some people in that business when it exits, I'll, I'll say, hey, come, come with me. I'm gonna put you in another one of my businesses. <laughs> and I've been rotating people from company to company uh, uh, that I invest in for many years now. And they know how I work. And once you can get to that point, oh, as an investor or even as an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, once you get to that point, it's like, it's beautiful, right? You can just take somebody and go, look, I need a growth strategy over here. Figure out what the company does, put together a plan, tell me what you're going to do. And when you get to that stage, oh, your life just becomes glorious. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is absolutely true. Well, but uh, talking about the fact uh, of telling what, right, and uh, of, of like just giving some like maybe guidance or considering other variants, I had a boss at some point who would just give me, you know, this what, like what is, should be the outcome. I would be thinking about the intricate strategy and stuff. And then I would come to him and he would say, huh? I don't like it. Do, it. do it differently. And I would go and do a different variant of the same strategy. Then he would say again, I don't like it. You know, redo it. So I would do a totally different thing. And I, at the at the end, I would have a, like three totally different strategies, three totally different ways. And then we would uh, come to the meeting and he's like, I like everything. So let's combine them. So, I mean, that was his wave or way of like, you know, mentoring me. And that's less oh, like what yes, I brilliant. realized years after, because um, it was one of like those, those like first, first like stage jobs where you really wanted to do a lot of things. And I understand that when you just come, you need to have some, you know, freedom of like, you know, free learning, you know, from different sources. But at the end, when somebody says you, no, I don't like it, 
this probably strikes you most, especially after the university, especially after you are like, you know, this sweet graduate girl who who knows that, you know, she, she has all the highest marks and stuff. And like, you know, right now we'll go to this career world. Like, this is the best like lesson which you can learn when somebody says to you, I don't like it, redo it. And you literally give all your energy to this thing, you know, so you, you consider it perfect. So <laughs> this, this is always like, consistent persistency right <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good strategy though to have somebody do a few different versions of something and then say combine them and it really yeah. does allow you to stretch stretch you know stretch it your does. thought process and maybe think outside of the line you were thinking yeah. you know i think yeah, of it, like, i use it line. myself a lot yeah yeah and every time i feel i feel that like yeah sometimes first drafts are you know the best but when you start like thinking differently, when somebody tells you redo, you know, you are literally like starting like, you know, twisting your mind in such a way that you come up with things which, you know, probably are the most optimal because you already, you know, don't use those um, cliches, which you, you, you often would do. So, you know, it, it just makes you feel differently. Yeah, I had, a, I had a mentor one time. He told me, he said he got a piece of cardboard and he got a pencil. And he drew a line in the in the cardboard. And then he said, okay, I want you to take that line. I want you to draw it five times. And drew the line and it creates a divot in the cardboard, right? And he says, I want you to move that pencil just slightly over to the edge and start a new line. And you can't because the pencil keeps falling into the old line that you drew, right? Because there's a divot there. And he says, sometimes you have to go way outside the line to get a new line. You know, <laughs> and I yeah, thought that that was pretty, uh, a pretty neat thing, right? Because I was going too close to what I had created before and I had to start something completely new, which aligns with what you just said, right? Yeah. You know, this guy told you, he's like, okay, do it now. Do it again. Do it again. You couldn't. Yeah. But his him. ways, I, I must say his ways were pretty harsh. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I give, uh, you know, yours was pretty sweet, you know, drew a line. <laughs> yeah. To me, it was like, you know, 12 hours of work redo. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, but uh, I'm, I'm super grateful. You can't even imagine this, this person just like, you know, he, he like brought like, like somehow he brought a professional in me you know that's that's what you know i feel that that's what every every person needs to have like especially after graduation or when changing the totally like the sphere um you know of working you need to have such a person who will just put you back to the ground a little bit and just you know say that you need to work you know a little bit harder yeah, there is some there is something to tough love you know <laughs> yeah to you know just saying look go do it do it again, do it again, you yes. know, that sort of thing. I believe, I believe that's true. I, you know, sometimes I use tough love. I use it a lot actually with people, but then sometimes when I feel like they're, they're feeling beat down and defeated and mm -hmm. I'll change to a more visual strategy like that, you know, yeah, you, you right? always need to balance. You always need to yeah. balance, you know, yeah. otherwise and, they just feel like they're being beat up all the time. But you, know? you also need, need to figure out what is the person's bigger motivation, you know, without this, like if you don't understand how to motivate a person, you can like say maybe a thousand times, okay, redo, redo, but this person like, you know, will just do it automatically. But inner motivation, for example, if you, if you say, wow, this is like, I see the growth and that's like what motivates a person. And like, you know, this person would do even more because, you know, this person heard some, some good words from, you know, the management or some good words, I don't know, from the person he or she really respects. Or like the motivation can be like, you know, a slight critics, you know, which is also a motivation sometimes, but not for all people. That's very important to understand. To me, if somebody's criticizing me, I'm like, uh -huh, excuse me, <laughs> you know, this is my my type of like yeah. reaction. Yeah, I, I'm more like I like to be praised rather than, you know, rather than criticized. When I'm criticized, I, I wouldn't do as much as I do when I know that person believes in me and when I know that person thinks that I'm really good at something, then I'll do something, you know, even more. But this is my type of thing. Some people just, they need some kick to be motivated. That's, yeah, that's for sure. There's a really, really good book that's a real, it's kind of an older book, but it's amazing about motivation. It's called Drive. And they mm -hmm. talk about yeah, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. And that is, is I think, a critical, um, a critical book for people to read that intend on going into, into management. Because, you know, when you are managing, your job is not what you get done. It's what you get other people to get done. And that requires motivation, right? It requires giving somebody a more intrinsic approach to winning, like what you would get from playing a game, 
right? Playing a game is an intrinsic win. It's not ex- there's no rewards, no cash reward or anything, <laughs> right? So it's a very uh, I I highly suggest that book. It, it aligns with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Please, people, remember this. <laughs> that some good person is recommending it to you. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I I I uh, tell everybody to read it. Everybody I work with them. Like, look, if you're going to go into management, you have to read this book because it's a it's a very intensive study, but it's more what it wakes up in your own mind. It causes you to think down channels that you normally don't think down and think about people just a little differently and think about what is what is human. Right. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that are just human. They're inevitable and, and in nature. Right. There's there's a, a, a place that they come from that is just a human place. It's not personality or whatever, right? It's just, this is just how humans are. And that book really does a good job at giving you the ability to identify these traits so that you can utilize them for the benefit of the people you're trying to help. Wow. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's perfect <laughs> advice. Perfect piece of advice. I I really love uh, reading some books, but I feel that at some point of my life, I read too many of them. That they all seem the same to me, you know, all these like yeah. business related coaching books. I mean, I there are some hidden gems, but you have to find them because, you know, the rest are just like copycat of each other. So, you know, when somebody recommends a book, it must really worth reading and worth spending some time on it. Well, then I want you to read mine and I want you to tell me if you think it's just full of shit like these other ones or if it's unique. But I want you to be honest and genuine about it. I'll send you the manuscript before. That is a very bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to publish, better don't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. You know, I've done 1200 interviews uh, on the stuff in the book and I've been working on it for three years. You know, a lot, tremendous amount of interviewed Navy SEALs and first fighting wing of the Air Force and captains and congressmen and congresswomen and, you know, just just everybody I could get in process, including software, entrepreneurs, investors, just everything. And I really, really value genuine feedback. Like it is actually, uh, to me, critical. I, I have a, one of the rules that I have is principle over position. It's the principle of something, not your perspective or your position on something. And so when I get feedback, I, I isolate it as an object and I put it in front of me as if it's not mine. So you separate yourself personally from it. And then you can try to extract from that feedback without being defensive about the feedback affecting you personally. Mm. You know, that's a very good tip, actually. <laughs> that is a very good one for sure. Because yeah, sometimes things are related to, you know, yeah, yeah don't take anything personally. Yeah, work yeah, is it's work. your idea you know? yeah. and then somebody shoots it down and you're like, Wah. and then I have to realize, and it took me a while to do this, that I, I act like the idea isn't mine. I actually act uh-huh. like the idea is somebody else's idea. And so I can critique my own idea and I don't take offense when other people critique mm-hmm. the idea as well, you know? That's a good strategy. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely love how this conversation goes. But I feel that we can talk for hours. I, I feel that, you know, as if all this time hasn't even passed, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is so awesome, you know, to have you here. And uh, I must say to all the listeners then uh, that Greg will be back to our podcast. with uh, We planned uh, another session where we'll focus more on startups. And uh, I hope for our IT community, it will be a very intriguing topic on how to actually, you know, get there, you know, in front of potential investors. Because I know that many people have a lot of nice ideas, but, you know, they might simply not know where to go. Um, yeah. So what do you think, Greg? What are your what are your impressions about this podcast? I think it's a lot of fun. It's great. I mean, usually they're not as, you know, uh, conversational. You know, this is this is it's been a blast. I appreciate it. And if any listeners have uh, deals that they're looking for investors, I lo- I'd love to look at the deals. So, you know, you can go to my website. It's just gregoryshepherd.com and you click on contact and there's an actually an area where you can submit your deals. And I would love to look at them. So, you know, hopefully uh, for some folks out there, that'll be uh, helpful to them, you know. So, And I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. It's been a joy to talk to you. You know, you're super smart. 
and wise and you're doing something great for the startup community. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you folks. Well, I, I do appreciate you coming here and uh, I definitely look forward to our next conversation and I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you because this conversation was a pure pleasure. You know, it was for me, I'm sure it was pretty interesting for the listeners because I myself, I would listen to the, such a podcast. So it happens rarely. Normally, I don't listen to my things. <laughs> so thank you so much, my dear IT community. It was your fellow IT comrade. It was Greg Shepard. And we will be back very, very soon with a new episode. So bizu bizu, have fun living your lives and see you very, very soon. If you ever wanted to kickstart the marketing of your tech company or accelerate your startup, Cadaret is here for you. Market doesn't have sympathy. It doesn't understand the times. You have to act fast to grow. We provide marketing services for tech companies and we will be glad to connect with you. And if you are a startup or NPO working to solve COVID-19 challenges, and help your communities, we are ready to help for free. Contact Cadaret.io and we will bring your product or organization to the front line. Splinter Business Stories